popsyndicate.com. Your one stop for all your unhealthy obsessions. Breaking news and in-depth reviews on all of your favorite movies, music, TV shows, podcasts, comics, books. Popsyndicate.com. This is Thumbs of Fury with Mark, Dave and Dustin, three brave men who dare to punch pop culture right where it hurts, the right areola. In your face tonight, we solve the conspiracy of the X-Files, Dustin and Mark kick say your kid can paint that and Dustin makes hateful and says to love to stepbrothers. Are you ready? It's some time. Remember when you were getting out of a car and you pulled your shirt down to expose your areolas? <laughs> I can't think of a time when I don't do that. What a weird picture you're looking at there. A Photoshop Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Well, I'm going to choose to believe it's not Photoshopped. She almost, she almost looks like, uh, what's her, her face from 24? Her face kind of looks Photoshopped. <laughs> Doesn't it look like Alicia Cuthbert a little bit? stretched out. Except like clown face. Clown face, Alicia Cut. Like a cancer, maybe Alicia, clown face. Alicia Cut birth. So cancer people have stretched out face. Is that what you're saying? Why she you, looks like that, she has. That's cancer. a hot opinion right there. Why are you making fun of stretch face cancer patients? <laughs> Why not? They already have cancer. Why do you got to rag on them about their stretch face? Why not make fun of them? They're such easy targets. I'm going to choose to go on to our <laughs> first movie review. Out, out, on that go, positive out, note. Out. So this week I'm Mark, and this week this week I'm Dustin, Dave. and. The other guy is Chop Chop Chopper Cancer Dave, the cancer maker fun of her. Uh, yeah, that's right. If you have cancer, he hates you. Uh, but, but, first, but first up, we're going to take on the legacy of the X Files, which resulted in a sequel to the movie from fight, a couple years ago. Fight from fight to the fight of the future. But anyway, here we go. Tell me what you see. I see a face. I see eyes staring out. Who? Who is it? I... It's unclear. Like through dirty glass. I... I... It's out there. I know it. Scully, what does he mean like through dirty glass? Motor. What? Stop. Okay, just feel free to give up like everybody else. This is not my job anymore, Mulder. No, that's right, that's right. You're, 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 you're just like my, my booking agent now, right? You're right. This is my fault. What, what do you mean it's your fault? For getting you involved in this. No, no. It was the right thing to do, Scully. This is not about finding an no. FBI agent. This is about you trying to save your sister. No, no. My sister is dead. It hasn't stopped you from looking for her. Mulder, I have been through this too many years with you. Believing you can save her. You cannot save her. Not now and not ever. Well, it's a well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there's a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world known as the Pentaverit. Sounded familiar from the guy in the X-Files. Uh, Mulder sounded like he was doped up. He probably was. You know he slept walked through this movie. <laughs> He's more concerned with Cal fornication season two. 
kind of like we slept walk through watching it. That's a very, very excellent transition. You like sir. that? That's a very succinct review of what we're about to deliver. So this is the sequel to um, the other X-Files movie. Is it a direct sequel? No, or is it just I a continuation it's from the... It's really a continuation of the series, and it's, it's not even that, really. It's really just a picking up them and their lives randomly after the series at some right. point. That's it, really all it is. It's really like if you were to dip into a random episode of season, like, 11. Yeah. Some, if they had done something that. Something that was like, let's say, in, in April when ratings don't matter... And uh, there's not much character development. It's one of those filler, those yeah, filler episodes. Not a lot of arc development, pretty much. And you really don't care about the ending. It's all about the journey. Exactly. Except because really, the ending in this movie didn't really exist, and it was frankly quite terrible. What and what was there? Um, it was really different than you would expect. It wasn't really because it extraterrestrial type barely, thing. No, exactly. So, just to give a brief synopsis, uh, Mulder. Uh, Fox Mulder, former special agent to the FBI who worked on the X-Files cases, if you're unfamiliar with the, the show. Played by Dave McCovey. Uh, yes, worked on Paranormal Crap. Um, we find out that he has been out of the FBI for some time and was uh, is actually on the run from the law. <laughs> sort of. In a really sort of, weird way. But except he's like holed up in a house and even though everybody knows where he is... And Scully lives with him there. Right. So they, she probably has a work address so, and they'd probably yeah. know and look for her to find him, but... Anyway, he's on the run. Yeah, he's supposedly. on the run, and apparently, I guess he has like a cloaking shield around the <laughs> around the Mulder cabin. So, and apparently, he picked up the habits of Russell Crowe from A Beautiful Mind right. and decided just to randomly cut snippets of paper and put it all over the freaking place. Well, the, Chloe also does that in Smallville, so okay. he's looking for strange stories. He didn't know Russell Crowe was doing that in A Beautiful Mind. He was actually looking for paranormal cases. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. Um. <coughs> So he's whatever we have Dave he is. contributing coughing to this Sorry. episode. He doesn't even make money. So basically, I honestly thought this series was dead. I can't believe they made another. Well, movie. they should not have waited so long. Is the problem? They should have maybe within two years of the series ending. Look, it's just too long. And it, if you're going to wait this long, you don't deliver the piece of crap that is. I hadn't the even X-Files, heard anything was being made until like a week before it came out. I finally saw a preview for it. I hadn't even heard rumors. Look, you know what the forum that this piece should have been delivered in was in the form of a summer television movie yeah or perhaps after the series is over a random sunday night television movie on fox it would have been fine there this would have been a blockbuster for the sci-fi channel saturday night pictures that too something like that it would have been okay and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't i mean in that forum i would have accepted it for what it is but to be in the middle of the summer that we have Batman, Iron Man, mm-hmm. Indiana Hulk. Jones, The Hulk. We have all these huge movies to throw a fairly known franchise like The X-Files out there mm-hmm. and to have basically no effort in the story. It's a very limp-wristed story. No progression in the, in the in the mythos, like you say. No. And it just, it's nothing. It's a very spare, long episode. Right. It's basically two episodes back-to-back. Um and, and as far as continuing the mythos, there are. They said when I, I was reading stories up until we went to see this, they said that there were going to be nods to the longtime fans. You really should take some breaks. The, <laughs> I just keep reading stories constantly. The uh, the nods were very few and far between. You get an appearance by Skinner. Um, you get a nod to Baby William, who apparently I don't remember this, but apparently is dead and or disappeared or something. I don't remember that at all, but may, I guess I'm missing a detail from the very end of the series. Um, I really didn't watch it at all once Dave Duchovny left. I didn't really. Yeah, until he, the end, 
I watched a very little bit at the end just because I was kind of interested, but I couldn't tell you what happened, really. You get to see the two of them about to make sweet love. Uh, Did that happen in the show already? Were they already together? But see, they had a kid, so... But see... That's the thing I don't remember about the show. Did yeah. they ever get together in the show? Because uh, they did. They basically. made it like it was some big surprise when Dave Duchovny rolls over the side of her when she's in yeah. the bed. Like, oh my god, it was they all, got together. I it wasn't I mean, that big of a deal. Nobody cared. And and there was the of course the acknowledgement in that clip of his sister. That's the only connection. Everything else is a standalone story about a pedophilic priest who has visions of a woman that has gone missing, an FBI agent. Exactly. So it's a big hunt for this FBI agent and you know just when he thought he was out they pulled him back they pulled Mulder back into exactly. the FBI and the charges are cleared he, he and shaved the beard and went to work right he got, exactly went beardless yeah does he you, still have the long Californication hair he does have the Californication hair <laughs> but he's beardless yeah. and you know he's serious when he goes oh. without beard <laughs> I won't ruin how it ends because someone out there may be interested I like in how Scully, I won't either because it doesn't end I like how Scully's but, hair was like down to her ass it looked insane. Do we need to mark that? Nah. Okay. Anyway, I mean, there is some finality to it. I won't. I won't there ruin is. what the finality is, but it's more of a gore finale it's than weak. it is, you know, like an extraterrestrial finale. I wanted. Did they chop his head off? I expected like alien interaction. No. I didn't expect a gory ending to this. That's the thing, you know. It, it was. It was just kind of twisted there was it was paranormal but there was it was very lightly paranormal Not, i mean the, all, the only paranormal really thing was, was the, the psychic pedophilic priest exactly that was it yeah and the big story arc was not well and it, that was kind of and, and to say that x-files wasn't always paranormal i know sometimes but, sci-fi and there was a huge sci-fi element to this but there was a sci-fi element to it but i i don't know it just it seemed really weak to me it was very for, weak for being this long right since the since the series finale you would think you'd have Something more along the lines of an extraterrestrial paranormal right. story, and this was not one. Like this you say, it was a spare episode, extremely spare. This is not what I wanted out of a, out of a, a sequel to the series. Uh, to wait this long is extremely weak. I would have accepted this maybe maybe a year, the year the series ended, maybe the year after the last movie. But to wait this long and deliver such a piece of crap as this was an extreme letdown, and because of that, I have to give it. A thumb, flaming thumb down. Yeah, I would. Again, if they had delivered it at the right time or in the right way, even if it'd been this long and right. they busted out a TV movie, I could give it a maybe a sideways to down. Right. But in this, you know, hyping it up this way in and the summer we're, we're living in, huge summer release, I have to give it a flaming thumb down as well. Right. So take that, X Files. You're dead. Yes. Uh, so our next piece I think we're going to cover is. Uh, it's a documentary Dustin and I both watched. You know, I could throw if we're doing movies first, I could throw in this one. Well, there's technically about three movies. Well, I know, but okay, if we're doing current releases. And we'll move DVD on to releases. feature releases. Um, this is uh, so this is one just Dustin watched. A Judd Apatow. Uh, is this film. another Judd Apatow? Film? Yeah, it is. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Okay, so, here we go. Dad, um, I need to Stop borrow brothers. some clothes. For the interviews, because I don't have any fancy clothes. You go to my closet, you take whatever you need. You okay. too, Brennan. You guys got to look sharp. It's the most important day of our lives, okay? Okay, Dad. Well, Brennan, you certainly have had a lot of jobs. I'm a bit of a spark plug and a human resources lady. Oh, oh you know, it's, it's actually, it's Pam. I'm sorry. Well, Pam. No, my name is Pam. Are you saying Pam or Pam? I'm saying Pam. Yeah, I'm sorry, who is this gentleman sitting behind you? Hello, Ms. Lady. I'm Dale. 
I'm Brennan's stepbrother, and I think I might be able to help with a Pam Pam dilemma. Yeah, that'd be great. Pam. 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 With an M. There's a D on the end. There's no D. It's Pam. It's like calm. Here, it's P. Except P-A-N-M. So clearly, uh, Dave over here gives it two thumbs way up, flaming. That's his rating. But uh, so, run Why don't you give us a generic Will Ferrell rating, Dave? Do you like him as an actor? Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this movie because it's not a sports movie. Yeah, I'm getting sick of the Will Ferrell sports movies, so I was kind of actually looking forward to this. Even though I like John C. Riley, but eh, I don't know that he's the best comedian. Sure. I'll say this about it, just so you made the comment about Judd Apatow. Actually, he didn't write this one, thankfully. This was only a production, a John Ap- uh, Judd Apatow production, not a script <laughs> by Judd Apatow. This is sure. actually directed by Adam Kay, written by John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. So, run it down for us, Dustin. Sure. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Mm. All right. And stuff. So, basically what happens is the basic beginning plot is Will Ferrell, he and his mother are living together. John C. Riley and his father are living together. That's hot. Their father and their mother meet up at a conference, hook up, and then want to get married. So you have the two late 30s guys that still live at home. They're going to end up living in the one house. And all hilarity breaks breaks open from there. Um, does it? Well, it, it does <laughs> and it doesn't. I would say... As you can tell from the clips, a lot of the humor is just them being childlike, 39-year-old guys living with their parents. And while for a while that's pretty funny, it really wears over the course of a film. Um, their interactions together are pretty good. Um, Will Ferrell has his standard... I think the closest uh, similar character to this may be... Um, can't even think of the name of the movie right now. The one with uh, Vince Vaughn and... Anchorman. Old school. Old school. Old school. I think probably when he's drunk and old school is kind of how he is in most of this movie. Um, and there's a transition near the end of the film that really, to me, is odd. Uh, where they kind of transform from being this way to trying to be more adult. Was Megatron in it? Doesn't really fit. Uh, they stay in their same human form. No, but it transforms, so... Um, overall, I'd have to give it probably a thumb sideways because there are funny moments in it. I heard the drumming scene was really funny. See, that's near the end. That's after the transformation and everything. I heard that was hilarious. I don't think it's all that funny. They tried to kind of play it off kind of like the beginning of Old School where they do a little bit of a twist on a, you know, on a standard song and add in some, you know, random humor to it. It's it's okay. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's not that great. So it's not as one other, three other podcasters described it, um, the better sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Uh, is it better than Dumb and Dumberer? Yeah, it's I better mean, than that. It, okay, the equivalent to. Uh, is it as good as Dumb and Dumber? Not at all, in my opinion, no. Um, this would be really funny if it was a 30-minute show, like... 
you know, if it was if it was a more condensed environment, I just think there was too much of this this humor to make a full movie entertaining. So, so like, I have a question. Do you think America? Because this, I don't think this movie has done very well. Not like they expected. It's made seventy million. So okay, it's it's come over its budget, but yeah, I mean, it obviously, it's not been nearly as popular as a lot of the uh, the other movies this summer. I mean, there's there's another contender coming out to be the funniest movie this summer. Yeah, uh, Pineapple Express, which comes out uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, do you think America's getting tired of Will Ferrell? I mean, he's he failed with uh, the basketball movie. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it seems like it, it. I think Will Ferrell's really good in a supporting. Yeah. Type role, I liked him in old school. I liked him in um, not at the Roxbury. He was a lead, but he was kind of second to um, again, Chris Catan. Chris Catan, uh, and I think he was really good as that. That yeah. actually may be another good analogous role to this one is how he was in Night at the Roxbury. But he was great in Anchorman, and he was good in Talladega Nights, and he was... See, I didn't like Talladega Nights as much as a lot of people I did. didn't love it, but it I was thought okay. it was good. It, it was, I would probably put this and that one on about the same level. I thought they were both alright, you know, but I thought it was kind of a one-note joke in a lot of ways, and that kind of gets right. tiresome. See? And they go, they keep trying to one-up themselves in all these movies and just go so over the top with the jokes to just be so shocking right. and funny. And it's sometimes it's funny, and it's not like it's offensive, but it's just, eh, you know. I mean, I, how far can you go with it? And I, I don't know. I get a little tired of it sometimes. I think the main problem with this movie and with a lot of movies that are coming out lately is Judd Aptow. I think he's good, but he needs to change his cast up more than he does. I, I think that is the biggest problem with his movies. And I think that's the reason a lot of people don't go watch them because they think, oh, it's all the same people that were in that other movie I already right. saw. Yeah. And so they, I think it, that's, I think that's one of the biggest problems is you have the movies like Pineapple Express that's coming out. Right. I'm sure the big fat kid from Superbad is going to be in it at Jonah some Hill. point. Jonah yes. Hill, yeah. And I'm sure that, and he was in um, whatever else that was, it was before that, that knocked up. Knocked uh, up, yeah. 40 Old Virgin. They find someone that they, yeah he was that, a bit they, part yeah, for your virgin yeah they they keep the same almost they I mean they change it up a little bit but right. many of the characters are the same in a lot of these movies that are coming out right now yeah. a lot of the comedies and, and that are all done by the same group of people and sometimes they're funny but the funniest ones are when they switch it up <laughs> and put someone new in the lead like they switched it up on Superbad and put him in the lead instead of a side character so is it, yeah. is it the same effect that we had in the in the eighties and I guess early nineties with the John Hughes films when they had the Brat Pack. Now we now have the Judd Pack, or whatever you want to call. It. You know, I mean, I yeah. still love the John Hughes films, but eventually they faded out. Now whether that was John Hughes's decision or after Home Alone, uh, which was obviously not anything but the uh, Brat Pack, whether it was his decision or not, it's you the same effect here. Two-year-old Macaulay Culkin wasn't part of the Brat Pack. Not as much. No, I mean, I, I think I, most I like of these it. actors are really funny, but they yeah. need to just change it up more. Like they had Talladega Nights, they right. need to find two different people to star in this. It could even be one of the two from Talladega Nights, but don't put the exact same pair. Well, yeah. And the thing is, I, I love Jed Apatel, and I will for a long time, and, unless he keeps failing like this. Because um, I, I admire I, from so many other works, but I admire his loyalty to his actors. I wouldn't call Step Brothers a failure. It just wasn't what I, I what I was hoping right. for. Like I say, it's just a, it was a sideways. It's probably worth seeing on DVD, but I definitely wouldn't go to the theater for it. I, I think he has other actors he has not touched yet, which he needs to expose as lead actors as he did Seth Rogen and 
um, as he did with Evan Goldberg and James Franco and with this movie. I mean, there's a lot of other ones he could go to, and I think he needs to do that for his next film, whatever that is. There actually wasn't any pot in this one. Really? I was surprised. Wow. Is there nudity? And no male frontal nudity. That's so even more surprising. He did change it up a little bit. Way to go, Judd Apatow. Although, again, he was just a producer on this film. <laughs> That's true. It was directed by Adam McKay. From he, tried, he tried to get it in there, but they just wouldn't let him. <laughs> put some wiener in it. <laughs> just put a wiener smoking a joint. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I That'll guess, be my signature on the film. <laughs> I guess let's cover our, uh, our last uh, piece tonight, which is a documentary Dustin and I saw, Whilst Eating Fudge. It's called My Kid Could Paint. Could not paint that? Could paint that. Could paint that. Could. There you go. I don't remember. This idea out there that abstract art and modern art in general is one kind of racket, is a, is a put-on. And that if a child can do it, it sort of pulls the veil off this con game. All I really want for Marla is to be a happy, well-adjusted kid. People are asking about this art for real. They want to know who, who did it, and they want to know how much it cost. I told this to the parents the first time that I saw her work. You're in for a wild ride. I hope you're prepared for this. We began tonight with something of a mystery. Even if a three- or four-year-old didn't do them, you'd like them. The fact that she is four makes it really incredible. So what do we have here? You, you have a genius. Yeah. The New York Times picked up the story, and it was like somebody had ignited a fuse. Ten of her abstract paintings sold for thousands of dollars. Some big bucks as well. Oprah just called. The owner of the Houston Rockets just bought one. It's probably the most popular story in the world right now. This is eye-opening to me to see her actually painting. Because she's not doing anything that a normal child wouldn't do. Is four-year-old painter Marla Olmsted a prodigy? Some question the authenticity of the artwork. Marla has been the sole creator of her work. No one has touched any paint to her canvases. Everybody's trying to shape the story into something that they want it to be. What have I done to my children putting them through this? I think that she definitely has a gift, something that's very advanced. Is there any other explanation? I'm sure they must feel a little no. nervous now about you. You don't want to talk at all about your new paintings? No. I choose to trust you. No, I don't no. think anybody really knows what you're going to do with the story. Uh, uh, where are you going with it now? I want footage of Marla painting that'll put my doubts to rest. My reputation's on the line here as well. Turn off the camera. The whole story really is about grown-ups. She's just a little girl painting in her house. So I think <laughs> the uh, trailer describes it pretty well, but... Um, well, then we're done. <laughs> This is a documentary about Marla Olmsted, who at the time, well, shortly before the documentary, Hi, Marla. she was uh, three years old, and her father was a part-time painter, a full-time factory worker, and when he was doing his painting, his, he was often watching his daughter, and to, to keep her from bothering him, he eventually gave her her own canvas, and, dis- and discovered that uh, she was quite the little painter, and uh, through... A series of coincidences and actions, she became very famous hey, back in uh, 2003, 2004. And within a year, she had made $300,000 selling her paintings. And, Which uh, I know is chump change to you. Right, of course. I own the Breakout Media Network. That's a good course. point. Um, He's the one that's been buying her paintings. <laughs> exactly. But within a year of that, after she became a sensation, there was a 60 Minutes piece uh, which attempted to, and didn't even attempt, it really tore her down. Uh, through the the actions of a child psychologist named Ellen Winter, who claims that she is an expert on gifted children. Yeah, she was a she was a tool. She was a tool. She claimed that my big she, tool. She first sees her paintings and says, "Oh, they're they're amazing. They could 
Um, I don't oh, remember oh, what her oh, exact oh, point was, oh. but they were basically, oh, those are those are amazing paintings. Oh, 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 oh. And then oh. she says, quote, I saw no evidence that she was a child prodigy in painting. I saw a normal, charming, adorable child painting the way preschool children paint, except that she had a coach that kept her going. And her why, coach being her dad. And why is she the world's expert on who is a prodigy? Who gives you that title? She does. You're the prodigy picking expert. Right. So, so after this doc- I, I actually gave her the title. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well. That's why we hate you. So after the 60 Minutes report, uh, her career fell apart. And it's basically about this whole journey that the family goes through. It's just kind of messed up anyway. It's just funny the way you talk about it. I mean, it sounds like someone, you know, our age, maybe older. It's a freaking four-year-old girl. Career fell apart already. Like, she's already down in the dumps. Yeah. And she and, already made, you know, like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And then her career fell apart. Her you know? career, yeah. Within a yeah. <laughs> it's at, just fu- like, at four, her career fell apart. Now one good reason to watch this movie Now she's in an alley shooting heroin. Exactly. <laughs> one good pouring herself out. To at eight. One, oh god. <laughs> she's now eight years old. <laughs> to watch this movie is for the D bag shop yes. owner that sells her paintings he's, he's her agent uh, at her an art her agent gallery. and he's a he's an art gallery owner yeah. paints his own stuff as well obviously was quite jealous of her success yes, if absolutely. we get to the root of it but in the beginning of the movie we go from him saying oh this is great i love this kind of art you can really see what she you know she's got a talent here that 60 minutes piece comes out mm. oh you know that's just a fad art anyway i'm glad it's over we yeah. can get back to real stuff like i paint when he's painting landscapes yeah. Then they do God. the they do the DVD of her actually painting that whole thing and prove it, and she comes back and he's like, "Oh, it's it's great that she came back. It's and great for, for this girl, and it's great that this art's coming back." I hate that guy. And for some reason, they continue to work with this guy. I, I would don't, dump him. I don't. Maybe they didn't realize what he was saying the entire time. I would have dumped time. him on his rear if he if I'd heard him say any of that crap. Well, they had to have had access to the filming of this stuff. Then again, I would maybe think, not but, because that might taint the whole process that's true the, the, there was one guy that was filming this entire time it was the director Amir Barlev I guess that's how you say it I take that back that he had to have but if they did and right. they kept working with him then that's bad they really shouldn't have I wonder if they're looking at it now going good god yeah. never work with this guy again so what do you think of the documentary as it was I mean do you think do you think it was complete enough personally I have some problems with it you do uh, um, well, what, what are your qualms with it? Well, mostly, I mean, I think the, the journey, the study of the journey is, is quite good. Um, and I appreciated the, the personal touch that, that Barlev put into it about his own doubts, how he, there's a, there's a scene where he's in a car and it's just the camera's kind of shooting up at him or at the road or something. And it's just him commenting on after the 60 minutes report, if he believes him now. Right. And I appreciate that part of it. What I don't appreciate is that he attempts to record Marla, this this four year old, creating a painting after the sixty minutes, and up until this point, it's been very obvious that Marla knows when the camera is on yep. and knows when she's being watched and will not paint because well, she will start destroying a painting when there is anyone that is watching her intently. Yeah, and earlier in this documentary, even before the sixty minutes, I believe it's before the sixty minutes interview. Right, she's got one that looks like it's going along pretty well. The mm-hmm. camera's on her in the kitchen. Then all of a sudden she has like five different things of paint. She just squirts all over yeah. and then just rubs it all over. It, it's and just, very it, obvious yeah, she that, that she seems agitated by her environment being disrupted. And nobody called nobody called them out because they said several times in the documentary the parents said that her usual workspace is the kitchen floor or the kitchen table. Yeah. But yet they allowed sixty minutes to set up a table in the basement to try to prove that this happened. That was not her usual work environment. I mean, yeah. she's four. And then at the very end, he tries to record her making this painting, and again, she doesn't do it. And 
And why didn't he take the time to just hang out there without a camera, just hang out, or somebody else who is a third party exactly. to verify that this kid does this? Um, and also, they did successfully complete that one DVD. They I did. don't remember they how they did, did that. But. but even then, you can see in that documentary, it was clear that they spent a lot of time with her getting used to the camera. Even that painting is not as good as her earlier ones, yeah. or even some of the ones that came after. And it's very clear that she was trying... But I, I don't think they did due diligence towards the end. I thought it was very incomplete. And, you know, frankly, one of my favorite parts didn't really even have anything to do with her was the people buying her art mm-hmm. and how it kind of exposed what a ridiculous that, industry this is. Right. It's awesome. Um, it's this, awesome how ridiculous it is. I mean, this guy talking about this little corner, I won't go all into it, but talking about a little corner on it and how you can see a face and the sun or the sky just peeking into this right. alternate world or whatever. And basically, you we can should, read anything into these things, man. And it's just it's funny to watch these people be so serious mm-hmm. and so because their art is very yeah. abstract. It's a four year old's art, except better. Yeah, it's very abstract. If you want to compare it to Jackson the, Pollock, that's that's fine. The stiff upper lip, and you know, yeah, it's, 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 I, I can read so much into this piece that you just can't see as a commoner. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's just it's funny. I like that part of it. Yeah, it, it was that part of it. The ridiculousness was great to watch. I, I would recommend it. You know, go go out and rent it. Uh, and just be amazed by the absurdity of the art community and how they feed into each other and they are a self-perpetuating hype machine. If someone with any standing believes that something else is good, then the rest of the art community will follow in line like little ducklings and will all line up and say, oh, that is good. And then someone else destroys it. It's all like the podcast community. It sort of is. You know what? And you're not really wrong about that. I, why would I be wrong? There are certain ads on certain other podcasts that I'm wrong. actually quite offended by because um, they think they're extremely better, and then everybody else follows them. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's none of the I'm ones. Airing. It's none of the podcasts we're affiliated. We're like the three year old Marla that's painting genius, but exactly, I don't believe we're nobody really realizes, doing it. Right? Everybody <laughs> thinks it's like uh, it's Everyone Charles. Thinks it's yeah. Let's recreate it's, this it. It is Charles. But anyways, I give I give the documentary. Um, I mean, if I could give the story, I, I give the story a thumbs up, but I have to give the documentary a sideways thumb just because it's. I think it's incomplete and didn't really address in the end what it needed to. <laughs> I actually, I think I'd give it a thumb, a thumb up, not a flaming thumb up, right? But it, I give it a thumb up because I would definitely recommend it, and you definitely need to rent it. Yeah, and there's a lot of other elements around that just discuss the art community from the gallery owner to the people that buy the stuff that I think that makes it worth saying even as much as about the actual story. And if you want to so s- I think it's really good. Yeah, if you want to see this girl's stuff too, you can go to MarlaOlmstead.com and you can see her paintings before you see the documentary. That's a, that was a plug. That was a plug and, and it was also a tease. I, I think her art's a lot of her art is quite good. It's it's very different. Each piece is very different from the next. Mark is part of that uh, And that, that was the other thing. Crowd. Is that nobody called these people out. Because like, the critics after the fact was like, well, this piece uh, obviously looks nothing like uh, her earlier pieces. She's four. <laughs> she doesn't have an established technique. You know, she's not Jackson Pollock. Anyways, that's... The art community is insane. Yes. And yeah, just Crazy. watch it just for them. Crazy and you'll enjoy so that wraps it up for this this week. I think next time we're going to cover uh, Batman Gotham Knight. All right, Robot Chicken Star Wars. All right, yeah. All right, probably Sword in the Stone, and maybe an album actually. So that's for the other show. Oh. Oh, do you have I'll just yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, give us a call. 
at 214-329-9827. Email us at the never-checked email address of thumbsoffury at gmail.com. <laughs> um, That's 1-214-329-9827. And uh, you can check out the... You should uh, check it right now. Check out. Let's the, check it on there. The the uh, very rarely untouched forums. He's not going to rarely touched forums at popsyndicate.com. We have a forum there that even sometimes we comment oh, <laughs> about how Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Uh, let's see. All right. It's good to know Dave was here. They got a firsthand uh, appearance of actually listening to the show. You don't have to wait to download it. <laughs> No new mail. Hey. We don't even get spam. That's we like appreciate that. you guys. <laughs> oh, we do get hey, spam. Hey, we have seven spams. <laughs> All right. Thank you, spammers. All right. All right. Well, gasoline. High five. But I'll be in Scotland for you. For me and my true love may never meet again. On the bonnie, bonnie face of Loch Lomond.